0: Only
1: redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value.
0: Time to stand with your hand on your hip. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. Going outside the lines is part of it. With Margaret Apples and
1: Amy Wilson.
0: But also the way that 9 to 11-year-olds think does actually change. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas. So you don't have to. I guarantee you my grandmother never had a thought about whether or not her kids liked her. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the What Fresh Hell podcast. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And this week, we're talking about tweens. Oh, tweens. And this, of course, we always run our test, our our fortune cookie test, where we add if you must to the topic, like pets, if you must. And this episode is 100% tweens, if you must, if you must, and we're we're in it. I mean, the. Sort Can of- you tell me first of all what is a tween exactly? Well, that's. What I, I used to work in marketing, so I should know what a tween is. But I I looked it up, and and it appears that the word tween was first used in The Hobbit by Tolkien. <laughs> now that. Is a surprising fun fact. It
1: was, um, we we believe it was coined by him, and it was to describe hobbits who were in their 20s, because I guess hobbits don't uh, achieve full emotional maturity until they're in their 30s, just like millennials. So they... (laughs) (laughs)
0: That <laughs> Amy, that was uncalled for. Take that back. No listen. millennials listen to this podcast. Actually, you're fine.
1: So J.R.R. R. Tolkien, I, he was using tweens apparently to be like 20s teens because that's what... Hobbits are. This <laughs> the- has all been
0: very interesting, Amy. But <laughs> w- how old is a tween? It's a Hobbit podcast. Well, so tweens. <laughs> I, we've just we've changed. People are tuning in, and they're like, "I didn't realize this was a Tolkien podcast." <laughs> I'm sure there's like 400 Tolkien podcasts. Just just podcasts hobbits, today. to be specific. Hobbits. Well, no, we we're, we only focus on hobbits.
1: So the tweens thing, yeah, like it started being talked about again in the 80s and 90s for marketing purposes. Like it wasn't it wasn't a thing when when we were tweens. People weren't called tweens, so I guess it was really in the 90s that it kind of came back into use. And it was a sort of advertising demographic. They realized they could target kids who are lay it on me, Amy. I've been waiting. Some say eight to 12. Some say nine to 12. You know, some. I feel s-
0: like it's more nine.
1: I'm gonna say nine, and certainly by 10. So I have a 10 year old.
0: I have a tween. You have a nine year old. I don't know. My 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 nine year old tween is like not that tweeny. <laughs> he ain't tweeny. Lucky. He's still you. like, well yeah, he's just not not a forward leaning
1: nine year old. My tween is, you know, it changes from hour to hour. Is she a is she a teenager in training or is she still a little girl? It really right. switches that's back and forth all the time. And
0: I, I have found with friends of mine, I don't my oldest is nine, so I haven't been there, but I find with teenagers that's even true. Like I see my friends grown kids and they're like joe tough guy and then they like trip and fall and they're like mommy i hurt my foot like they're just so cute they like always have a little bit of that quality of heading into the bad bad days but then they're also really little and cute still
1: yeah i mean I, i have a little bit of a problem with this sort of with this sort of concept because i feel like it is something that's forced on them a little bit in a marketing way like you're you're a teenager in training so time to start wearing t t-shirt that says I'm sassy on it and glitter and... Oh yeah, you know, don't do any of those things. And eye rolling at your parents.
0: I'm going to reiterate my overall screed, which I like to do early on, because I know the people only turn in for my screeds, Amy, so I like to get right to them. Give the, give the audience what they want. <laughs> Keep your kids as young as possible, as long as possible. Right tween is not an aspirational term. It's not like, oh, yay, we almost have teenagers. Oh, you're a tween now. You can start wearing makeup. Like, I'm not interested in any of that. Yeah, but I think the kids are,
1: unfortunately, right? I think my daughter is really interested in being basically kind of a teenager. I think that's that's something that appeals yeah. to her.
0: And having worked in children's television and therefore children's marketing, certainly they always describe programming for this age as aspirational programming. So like all of those oldie deluxe alert. Back in my day. Hannah Montana, you know, but what is the new Hannah Montana show? Hey, Jesse. Hey, Jesse, right. Like, <laughs> hey, Jesse, right? Yeah, it feels I like a party so, every just- day. I have I know somebody who's on that show. It's hilarious how popular like he's an actor who's worked a million times. And now is it Kevin Chamberlain? Him. Yeah.
1: Uh, my my daughter met Kevin Chamberlain recently in New York. Like He was at he was standing around in a hallway. And she said she walked right over to him with one of her tween friends. And they said, Hi, and he said, Hi, do you guys watch Jesse? Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, I know him like, yes. in real life. And uh, I just know that like, he's, He's an actor forever. And like now he has like a rock star ish following because suddenly, like, all of these 10 year old girls, like, Know who he is?
1: It's I. I went out with a soap opera actor a couple of times, and it was very s- strange to see it in action. Like they're famous, but only to a, a sliver of the yes, population. that's
0: exactly what it
1: is. It's a funny phenomenon, right? They're they're the Pope, but only to every one in forty people that they pass. Back to tweens. I feel like the programming, like what you let your kids watch and don't let your kids watch, becomes important at this age because so much of the programming, the TV stuff that that is aimed at kids this age, is sort of teaching them like time to stay with your hand on your hip and like give a, give a, you know, a girlfriend snap and and act really bratty. And, and, and I really try to steer my daughter away from that stuff and back to like the British Bake Off contest. She was watching something. I came in the living room just last night and she was watching something and I'm like, wait, what is this? And it was a reality show about a professional cheer team on the road. And I was like, uh... Is this a that show? Doesn't for, sound that bad. Does is it? this a show for your age? And she's like, "Yes, it is." No, it's really good. They're professional cheerleaders, so I sat down with the professional cheerleaders and watched it. And it was, yes, it was it Harmless. was innocuous enough, they because they there are these I mean, we could do a whole episode on this. They're like 14 to 22-year-old women who travel around the country together and they're like weirdly peers, which doesn't really work, right, for a 14-year-old girl and a 22-year-old woman to be. In the Cheers. same circumstance together, right? And they, you know, are, are on the bus to the tournament and they put their hair and those high, high ponytails with the huge bows. And then somebody somebody falls during one of the flips and she cries. And that's pretty much what the show's about. Um, and so I watched it with Maggie and, and, we talked about—it was an interesting opportunity. So this girl was crying because she—this young woman was crying because she sort of blew it for the whole team at the such-and-such at the such championships. And the rest of the team seemed to really honestly be really supportive and nice. I expected to sh- the show to go in a direction where they would cut to—I forget what they call it, but they only show one Real Housewife. It's confessional. The confessional, yeah, the confessional where they cut to them like, and I couldn't believe when she said that. But they didn't do that. They stayed on this— Group of women, sort of all crying because they lost the championship, but saying to her, "It could have been any of us. It really wasn't. It's not your fault." Um, and so it ended up not being that sounds as pretty harmless. It was pretty harmless, but I still was like, "I don't think, Mags, if you wanted to be a professional <laughs> cheerleader and leave home at sixteen, I'm not sure I'm going to be okay with that." Like, Once I don't you're think twenty-one, worth
0: that choice.
1: Yeah. So, so I think it becomes kind of important at this age to watch what they're watching with them and sort of unpack it a little bit. Oh, because they hot. don't want to watch. I mean, I mean,
0: mine my girl is six, and she only watches Star Wars because she has two older brothers. But yeah, that sounds horrible. I don't want to watch any of those shows.
1: <laughs> um, you know who Mary Piper is? She wrote Reviving Ophelia.
0: Yes, just, I mean I don't. I mean a, I've heard of it. I haven't read it. That
1: book's been around for I think twenty years. It's a great book about about raising strong girls, and she says that that the thing about. Tweens is, this is a time when they come, when they sort of pivot to understand the world around them. And I looked up some other research on this, which we can talk about, but they they move from a sort of self-centered young kid to an others-centered big kid. Yeah. And they start to understand how others think that there are other perspectives. And so anyway, Mary, Mary Pfeiffer says this is a time when they're real curious about the world. And they're soaking up other points of view. And they're not getting enough points of view from the people who love them. They're getting it from machines and people who want to sell them stuff. Mm, Maybe. Or it could happen. Yeah, I do think. Yeah, I do think that, yeah, do think that the, the tween thing, people want it to exist. People want 10, 11, 12 year olds to wear. Uh, I, and I guess I'm more focused on girls because because I think it's more insidious for girls. But yeah, want, and possibly they're more susceptible.
0: Right. Want them General, to wear belly shirts, giant generalities.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They're more susceptible because it's easier to sell stuff to girls than boys. Boys. I mean, my boys really, especially my middle guy just doesn't care. Like if it's clothes, it's clothes. just Does, doesn't right. care about. Maybe an Under Armour logo is cooler than not an Under Armour logo. But other but that's than that. Right.
0: Small differential.
1: Yeah. And I can go to the outlet and get those for $7. And but and, and my daughter doesn't care and about do. labels. And, and I do. My daughter doesn't care about labels, but she definitely cares about looking. And the line is a little bit hard for me to find or, or perceive where it's going to be. But of course, certain clothes now, I know oh, I'm, I don't, she doesn't wear that anymore. And certain clothes are cool.
0: I have a hot take, Amy. Come in hot. I'm coming in hot. I feel strongly through personal experience that while there is a ton of things, there are even a ton of things that influence young women and boys at this age, that we overperceive the amount of influence that things like television shows have on kids.
1: Mm.
0: I'm not sure I agree with you, but say more. Say more about that. I just feel like, I don't know. I mean, it's easy to say because I haven't been there yet. But the I'm not saying you shouldn't be careful of these things and that they don't have an influence, but that it is very, very important for young people in their tween and teenage years to separate from their parents on some level. It's a necessary developmental stage. That's right. Okay. And that they are looking around for influences to how to do that. And certainly there's a lot of influences on young women that are about like, be sexier, be cooler, be brasher, be more obnoxious, be more like this ridiculous, you know, tweeny, television show. I think that you have to have some trust in the foundation that you've laid with the kid. You've had 10 years by this point of being like, this is what our family values. They're not going to be completely knocked sideways by watching a Nickelodeon show when they're 10.
1: No, but it just becomes a it it becomes a more influential. Once they start to consume media on their phones, or you're not watching Jesse with them, because it would make you want to pull your hair out, they start to consume things without without you, you're not controlling every message they see anymore, nor should you I'm not saying you should. But yeah, it all, it all starts to get more confusing because they start to consult more sources than whatever mom says must be right because my mom is the most wonderful person in the world. That starts For sure, to for sure.
0: I'm just saying, I think that it's also okay to have a little bit of faith in the fact that the groundwork that you lay at home is an absolute that has been going on for 10 years. And that it's okay for them to start at this point to go outside of that a little bit and start trying on some other identities.
1: Julianne Gary wrote something for childmind.org that's kind of related to this. I love
0: childmind. Childmind is great. It's they a have great have such great resource. stuff. Childmind.org, not a sponsor. Go check them out.
1: Exactly. They're a org. Yeah, they're a .org <laughs> They're not gonna give us money, but they're great. They so she she talks about. Um, I'll put the link up on the show page. She talks about having relationships, you know, parental relationships with, with tweens and says, this is, it is an important time. And we talked about this. We talked about this in the Mean Girls episode with Katie Hurley, that you need to sort of set the stage now when they at least sometimes want to be around you. She was talking about sort of eight, nine, 10. So now maybe we're talking about 10, 11, 12, but similar point. Let me just read what she says. She says, a a strong parent-child relationship now, as in the tween years, can set the stage for a much less turbulent adolescence. But it won't be easy because you as a parent need to respect your child's need for greater autonomy in order to forge a successful
0: relationship with this updated version of your kid. Okay, that's exactly what I was just saying. Yeah. I'm a genius and so is well, Katie Gary. Yeah, Gillette. you were kind of saying don't... This, this was Julianne Gary that said oh, this, but... Uh, I'm a genius and so is Julianne Gary. But you were kind of saying like, don't worry about it, it'll, it'll, it'll work out. <laughs> What I was trying to say is first 10 years of life, you and your children are like building the boat in which you're going to sail through adolescence. And so like, have some faith as they start the process that the boat you've built is like strong and sturdy and ready for the seas.
1: Yeah. But then I guess what she's saying is, okay, and then once they're 10 years old, they say, mom, I think this boat should... Have this on it. It should be it should be a houseboat and we should build a whole there should be a tree house on it. And you have to help them. They're going to become more autonomous at this stage. And you do have to. So once they hit this tween stage, they're all of a sudden a little different. And you do need to reestablish a relationship at this stage where they're sort of semi autonomous and let them have some freedom. Before they everything you say is the stupidest thing they've ever heard.
0: I completely agree. And that that's exactly like that was exactly what I was trying to say is like, this is a absolutely necessary and natural developmental stage and have faith that you you've set the groundwork enough that it's okay for them to now my mom used to always say this, you build your lines really tight because you understand that the kids are going to go outside the lines. But you, you keep the lines tight. But don't freak out when they start going outside the lines. Going outside the lines is part of it. Going outside the lines of, like, dressing in a way that you don't think is great, doing things you don't completely support, not going outside the lines, sneaking out of the house and doing dangerous stuff that's going to put them in danger. It's really good advice from your
1: mom, and I've been thinking about that recently because you ha- you have to allow some safe rebellion to occur that feels like rebellion to your to your tween and teen but for you it was like okay they're they're curfew's nine o'clock and and if they come in at 9 15 i'm gonna say hey you broke a rule but i i don't really care right i hope none of my teenagers listen to this episode i thought that yeah, was really don't listen,
0: guys. <laughs> your mom's not saying she's just saying that she really is mad Um, No, I think that that's, I think the key to starting to survive the transition is realizing that there is going to be a transition, not constantly driving yourself crazy with like, where is my beautiful girl who wanted to wear her cat sweatshirt every day? Who is this monster who wants to suddenly, you know, dress like, insert child actors I've never heard of? But also... Keeping your lines really consistent, so you don't start chasing behavior at this age, where you're like, "Oh, okay, well i I want us to maintain our close mother daughter relationship, so I'm going to move my lines so that we still have a good relationship." Yeah, don't that's to that's do that. good
1: advice. To that end, I have some advice about quality time with this with this age group and why it's important. Quality I mean, time, if you must. Quality time, if you must. It um, doesn't it, involve watching Jesse, does it, it? No offense to Jesse, but. You can you can find what you can tolerate, right? Once kids get to get to be this age, they can sometimes sort of toy with with the rejection of their parent, which can be hurtful and confusing when it comes out of nowhere. Yeah, uh, and surprising, right? And I I've seen it start to happen with my ten year old girl, who, you know, up until a couple of months ago, wants to be only with me all the time. You know, that would always be the best answer. Right, and then you say like, "Oh, I thought we'd go, we'd go get lunch today," and she's sort of like, "Mm, "Okay, maybe. Can I have a sleepover?" You know, they they start to. They start to um, oh, the cats in the cradle right. and
0: the silver spoon, little boy blue and the man on the moon. What, like, what is that song? I've never heard it, but yes, that, that's so that's developmentally
1: appropriate, right? And so Catherine Steiner Adair, who wrote a book called The Big Disconnect, which is about parents and kids, she says okay. this withdrawal that they're that they're doing, which is developmentally appropriate. Try not to take it as rejection. She says all too often parents personalize some of the distance that occurs and you misinterpret it as, as a
0: willfully defiant behavior. More and more. And this is like such a big current problem. Like my parents longed to be disconnected from us. You know what I mean? Like they, that was like a great day when we could do things on our own and we started gaining independence. I feel like nowadays this whole thing that we're so navel gazy about our kids makes that disconnection phase harder. And I say that, I mean, I'm joking a little bit because I think one of the big conflicts my mom and I had is like, I do think she was like all the little kids all in a row, like, you know, perfect in their outfits. And then I started wearing like ripped cut off shorts and she was like, who is this monster? You know? So we had our own problems, but I think this issue of like, the pressure to stay close for your kids and for parents is a problem. It's not natural, people. You're not supposed to be besties with your kid all through their adolescence. No, that's but- not a goal. I feel like I hear people act like, oh, my kid and I are so close. And it's like, let let them have a little time of not being so close and see how that independence feels for them.
1: Yeah, but we're talking about a... a- a way station on the way to adolescence here we're talking about but this is kingdom. when it, this is the this is the disconnection section the hardest part yes i th- but i think this is the this is the part where you have to allow disconnection and you have to also make sure that the connections still occur. Once they're 15 and 16 and they live their own lives and they don't want to deal with you, you have to let that happen for a while. but I see but you're saying like
0: it's important to tend the tend the connection. 10, 11, 12 is a Whoa. time. I I'm mean, just, gonna just gonna say looking around at people I know tending the connection not part of the problem that, that it's too much. Well, that that part's already happening. You don't have to worry about that. Okay, but
1: let's let's restrict it to like the ten, eleven, twelve year olds. Yes, I see what you're saying. But so I, I have another quote here, which I think is interesting. So, Doctor Doctor Laura Kermeyer, she talks about quality time and how you have to establish, um, you need to establish this with your with your tween. She's like establish establish a period of one on one time once or twice a week where you're providing undivided attention. The phone's not out, the TV's not on. And it almost doesn't matter what it is, but make it sort of every Friday you and I go to get frozen yogurt. I don't I don't know what
0: it is. But Okay, said, I would agree with you. I see what you're saying now. It's like they're, everybody's connected, but they're kind of like there is this. This is for me the family dinner, Okay, another touchstone. We have family dinner f- four nights a week minimum. And you're, you're having time. And maybe you need, if you have a bunch of kids, like more individual time as well. But yeah, I guess that's true. It's like you have to make sure that you have time where you're actually like... Talking to your kid, she says. She
1: says the quality time when when kids get to be tweens is something you might overlook because all of a sudden they're saying that they don't want it and they're pulling away from you, and you might unintentionally collude with that tendency and say, oh, "Okay, fine, you don't want to hang around with me, then whatever," and, and feel rejected and make it about you, and and then okay. you pull away. But but again, it's back to what Katie Hurley was saying. When I interviewed her, I said something about, well, and and then when she's, you know, once she's 12 or 13 and she doesn't listen to anything I say, and she was like, I, 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 she'll say she doesn't listen to anything that you're saying. So, again, it's sort of saying you have to move beyond your hurt feelings about this a little bit and know that even when they're saying get away from me, mom, don't you know anything? They're, they really need something different. They're just asking for it in a very confusing and opposite way, because it's opposite. I agree with that. And I think it's something land.
0: we talk about a lot. It's like, when are those times for kids of any age, but especially tweens, when do you have that time? Like, is it driving in the car or is everyone plugged into a screen? Is it when you're cooking dinner and they're sitting up at the kitchen table? Like, when do you have those times built into your day when you're interacting with your kids and really connecting with them? I think this is a good time to take a break. I agree.
1: And when we get back, I have some uh, more research about how kids this age, the way they think actually changes and some really interesting insights. Awesome. All right. We'll be back after
0: this break. And now a list of things that used to be fine, but now your tween finds totally embarrassing from the What Fresh L podcast. Putting notes in their lunchbox. Could you stop doing that? Asking them how their day was. Can we talk about this
1: later? Being seen in public with you in any context. Could you just stand a
0: little farther away from me? Any form of singing. We're not gonna take it. No! Oh, Mom, please stop. Preparing their favorite foods. I don't like chocolate chip pancakes anymore. Smiling of any sort. Cut that out, please. Your humorous use of emojis. Heart eyes. Really, Mom? Making conversation with their friends. This is so embarrassing. Trying to take their picture. Are you done? This is so humiliating. Giving them a ride to school. I'll just walk from here.
1: Attempting to discuss current bands. Seriously, I don't even know who One Direction
0: is. The way you breathe. It's very annoying. This has been a list of things that used to be fine, but now your tween finds totally embarrassing. From the What Fresh Hell podcast.
1: Hey, honey, that's as cool as
0: Gryffindor. I've never been so embarrassed in all my life.
1: Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses. First two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. while Start your hero bread bundle on their website and get ten percent off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code motherhood at checkout. I like this
0: bread, people. It's h-e-r-o.co and code motherhood for ten percent off your order of hero bread. Okay, we're back. We are back. So Margaret, and did Amy you know has research.
1: You know, I did come into this researching this episode thinking like, oh, this tweens thing is just a stupid thing to sell more clothes from justice and it's nonsense. But but then as I looked into it, so my question coming into it was, are there actually developmental changes for a 9, 10, 11 year old? Well, yes, there are. The most obvious one, much to my dismay, is, but it's true, is that we ha- I think we have this idea that teenagers go through puberty, but no. really... Queens go through puberty. Right. That puberty is getting, you know, is getting younger and younger, especially for girls. There was a study in the, in the journal Pediatrics that said most girls in the United States today show some signs of puberty before the age of 10. And <gasps> I know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no.
1: And it's a process, you know, as you know, it's not a thunderclap of, of, you know, of change. But yeah, I, I know. Like, I really wish before it was before the age
0: true. of 10. Bef- it starts before the age of 10. Yeah, I mean, folklore. Oh
1: I know, I know. So and like, I, I barely
0: that- got through my own puberty. I'm really not looking forward to doing it with other human beings.
1: Yeah, and they they do seem sort of, I mean, tends too young, tends too young to be handling that stuff, right? I'm but- gonna
0: assume that puberty is like lice or you know other things in that category that like I dread it so much that when it actually happens, it's not going to be as bad as I thought.
1: <laughs> Let's tell ourselves that, right?
0: Let's tell ourselves that.
1: But also the way that nine to, to 11 year olds think does actually change. I thought this was pretty interesting. So there's a, a doctor, his name is Dr. John Mersch, and he studied adolescence. He says, this, this was interesting to me. So he says, the nine to 11 year old child has entered the period of concrete operations, which means that they can organize their thought processes and use deductive reasoning to anticipate consequences. So they can sort of think three or four steps out. They can, they can multiply, you know, 125 by 476. They couldn't have done that until they're nine or 10. Now they're ready to, to do that and, and see a couple steps ahead. Okay. They can also understand in math that there's um, reciprocity. Like, if 3 plus 5 is 8, then 5 plus 3 is also 8. They're not really ready to get that until they're 9 or 10, unless they're a math genius, I guess.
0: How does this affect our daily life? Well, Besides at dinner, they're like, hey, mom, did you know that 3 plus 5 is 8 and 8 plus 5 is also? Wait. It yeah. means that they also... <laughs> never mind, I can't do math. <laughs> I don't <laughs> have that developed part of my brain now.
1: We all know Margaret never really learned her times tables. Ne- that's well, really that's something true. we... And struggle look with.
0: at me, I'm doing just fine in this life, people.
1: If you have any ideas
0: on that, please
1: contact <laughs> Depending us. Depending on how
0: you define just fine, I'm doing just fine.
1: So so the, the point of all this is that they start to understand, first of all, that they can have an opinion which they can develop and support with evidence. Right. But also that somebody else can have an opinion that they're going to support with evidence that is different from yours. We were talking about this a couple weeks ago that – uh, parents shouldn't disagree in front of kids before they're like eight, nine, ten, because just don't disagree in front of them because it's too hard for them to not understand that the world isn't black and white. Yes. So this is another way of coming at the same thing, I think, that that becoming a tween is when you have the intellectual maturity to understand that the world is full of gray areas and you can argue for your point of view and other people will argue for, for their point of view.
0: This is why people are so annoyed by youngsters. Is like they suddenly get, their own point of view, and they think it's super interesting, and they get righteous about it. Yes. And it is
1: really irritating. Yes, I had dinner with my 15 year old and his friend just last weekend, and and yeah, You got some lectures. Well, just like why why yeah, higher education is so stupid, and you know the whole thing should be tossed out. Said my 15 year old. Oh, no. and his friend Thanks who was for your insight. Yeah, exactly. Basically, and basically, uh, and his friend who was also 15, but who was a debater. It was, so, it was so satisfying to watch this peer of his say, okay, but didn't you just contradict yourself? Because you kind of just said the opposite uh, of that. And I was you're like, like, go.
0: Yeah. You got to hire that kid to live <laughs> in go, your house. Go, go, go. It was so fun. So yeah. The- but I do think it's a shocking phase. I think what we're talking about a lot here with tweens is the realization from the parent's point of view that this is starting. That like, my daughter right now is six. And she's still just like every day, like, my mom is the prettiest and the best. Like every day, she's just, I'm her, like Disney princess, rock star, best teacher, hero, all rolled into one. But even now, every once in a while, I'm getting a little eye roll. And mm-hmm. I had to, I said to her the other day, don't roll your eyes at me. And she's like, what does that mean, mom? She had no idea. What it, <laughs> but she gave me that, like, I, I say, don't ug me to my kids a lot. When oh, can you pick that up? Ugh. And I'm like, don't ug me. That's I constantly repeating it. But I know adopt that. That's a good one. Don't ug me. But yeah, that it is that this like baby that you feed, child that you rear, like person that you care for all day, that they suddenly begin turning on you is kind of the cliche of tweendom and then into teendom. I think what we're saying is that that is an actual, necessary and natural part of human development. And it should be, if not encouraged, it should certainly be supported.
1: Yeah. Or at least accepted by you. It's not about you. It's not about, it's not about why don't my children love me anymore. It's just, it's just what happens
0: next. Right. And I I do think that that's where I see like the the change is that our relationship with our kids is so much more a back and forth than i feel like my parents and certainly their parents was yes it was not really a conversation it wasn't really about like i guarantee you my grandmother never had a thought about whether or not her kids liked her (laughs) she did not think a lot about what her kids thought of her that just did not go through her head if our irish grandmothers would right might we have both of our irish grandmothers Heads would actually explode if they listened to this podcast. Have
1: I ever told you the story about my how my Irish grandmother used to say, Tweet tweet about things. Yes, yes. you have. And it just meant it just was a general like I can't believe you guys are actually doing this. Like, if some, it, like it was, it was one of our birthdays, and would there be a cake, and then there would be a pile of presents on the kitchen table. She'd come out with her cane and sit down and look at the presents and say, "Tweet, tweet," and it just would be why all this fuss. This is this seems crazy to me. Why
0: all this fuss? So she would yes.
1: definitely say, "Tweet, tweet" to the tweens. And I think discussion. there's
0: something great about. I mean, my dad says that all the time about having grandkids like his grandfather like sat in the corner and never spoke to them like he just never literally never had a conversation with the guy he always says like it's so nice i mean he is so like part of the fabric of his grandkids lives as, as they are at him like they talk on the the older ones they talk on the phone my kids you know we were which we went out to dinner with him we were just together and he and my son sat and played hangman together they were laughing and joking he's like this never happened in his life. It just was not a relationship a grandparent was expected to have with a grandson in the 1900s, 19 O's <laughs> in the aughts, in the aughts, the 19 aughts. Yeah. But, but that wasn't good. That, that wasn't better.
1: Right. I think it's, I think it's good for us to have more open relationships with, with our kids. And certainly they, it's a complicated world. They need guidance through, but so, so this, I think
0: it's good, but I also think it doesn't hurt to keep a little bit of the perspective of like, listen, They don't need you to walk them through every, you know what I'm going back to, Amy? Our boat metaphor. Build that boat. The first 10 years, you and your kid are building the boat together. At the age of 10, 10 through 18, you are driving the boat and teaching them how to drive the boat. And then at 18, they take over the boat. (laughs) They're the captain now, you know? And it is like, it's a big, big, big transition so proud of myself for that metaphor. Come on, give me it's some very laugh. good. It's very good. Uh, but but basically, like at this age, you have to start like letting them try to sail the boat a little bit and realize that they're not going to do it exactly the way that you you would have done it, right.
1: Okay, so this, so this age when they're starting to think, I can develop opinions of my own and other people might have different opinions, this is, this is metacognition. So they're in a metacognitive state for the first time. This is worth understanding because this whole idea that, they, that, that other people have different values and viewpoints and ideas than I have is the same thing that makes them go from being completely uninhibited and not caring about what others think to becoming deeply, deeply invested in what others think.
0: Oh, yeah, that's interesting, of course. Right? So that goes together. And Once and, you realize that other people have different opinions, suddenly you make that about yourself. You're becoming obsessed with their opinions, right? Right. It's interesting.
1: And assuming that everybody is looking at you, right? Thinking about you. Um, just yesterday, I went to, to visit my daughter's ballet class. It was... Parent observation day in ballet class, and she was dreading it. And I said, "Honey, why?" And she she had to miss uh, she had an injury this past fall and had to miss a bunch of ballet. She's just getting back into it, and she said, "Because all these parents are going to be there, and they're going to be looking at me, thinking why doesn't that girl know the steps?" And it's because I I miss classes. And I was like, "Oh, honey! Like every parent there, I guarantee you is there to watch their kid. They're not even going to right. I mean, you don't watch anybody else's kid. You're looking, you're staring at your own kid and taking movies and pictures." And she was so sure that going through everybody's mind, looking was, "Isn't that girl? You know, what's wrong with that kid?" And I think that's that's this coming coming into play,
0: right? Do you think for sure? No, exactly. And I find, and this is something a thematic thing that comes up that I struggle with, is not being super dismissive of that. Because even my littler ones, I had a a second grader and someone told him he and his friend were weird. And I was like, you and your friend are totally weird in a great, hilarious way. And I think it's great. And like, but I had to take a moment to actually realize like he was crying, he was upset. Like he didn't like being called weird. And my perspective is like, who cares that a seven-year-old called you weird? Like no one cares, it's dumb. And I have to sometimes take that moment to realize that for me... Being called weird by a seven-year-old is like my best day. I'm living my best life. Right. But for but I have to really be sensitive to the fact that that's not where my second grader is, and so for Maggie, I'm like. Ugh. Maggie, who cares? Like you know that you were hurt. What is he, what do you care that these I get a little bit like w- who cares? That's stupid and you have to take some time not to do that, I think. You it's have important. to take it
1: seriously. I was just listening to this Brené Brown lecture yesterday. also love Brené Brown. love Brené Brown. You haven't
0: read her stuff. She's just a genius. She is, um
1: she has a a bunch of her lectures on audible.com. If you have if you don't use Audible and you want to try it, we actually have a a link that you can use that will uh Give us a little bit of financial reward. So if you want, if you want to try Audible, you should go to audibletrialcom whatfreshhell. Anyway, they had her lectures are on there. They're great. You should totally listen to them. And she talks about being in a department store with her kid, her daughter, who is probably 10 so just on the cusp of this tweendom stuff and starts dancing starts doing the robot like a completely dorky robot dance in the middle of a department store with these teenage girls kind of looking over at her and whispering like oh my god look at that girl over there right and she sees she sees her daughter and her instinct is to say hey hey like Stop doing that in the store. Stop looking so weird. But instead, she dances with her daughter, and you know, and it's this heartwarming moment of embrace the joy, and who cares what people think? But it's interesting to me that her daughter had has that innately is probably about to lose that, and then it takes you until you're about forty
0: five to get that back. Who cares if people think you're weird? It literally. I think my theme of this episode is like you can't skip this step. You can't skip the step where your kid disengages for you. You can't skip the step where your kid starts using annoying phrases because her friends think they're cool like you can't you can't skip this annoying step which is too bad but it's part like you you also can't skip the twos like it's you can't which is my instinct say um stop doing that why do you care what people think it doesn't matter like yes Brene Brown's able to like join in the robot with her daughter but in two years that's really a different dynamic you know right in two years in two Two years years, the the daughter's like mom could you stop breathing in front of these cool teenagers they're gonna think you're an idiot you know <laughs> like you're that's a story of a very specific time in life and, yeah you know I I think I definitely was a kid who did not fit in and was so desperate to fit in like I was all I wanted was to be just like everybody else and now at 45, I'm like, oh, who cares about any of that stuff? But I can't try to skip that phase for my kids. Right. You had, you had to climb that mountain and come back down the other side. Yeah. And you can't climb it for your kids. You can't tunnel through for them. Let no. them climb it too. No.
1: So this group identity thing is set, So yeah, it's, it's developmentally understandable that all of a sudden they care much, much more about what their peers think and assume that it's different and assume that they're being looked at. And so that's why they are sort of susceptible to the and therefore you need this kind of sweater or don't even come to school.
0: (laughs) Right. And then much more troublesome. We're starting to lay the groundwork for like smoke these cigarettes or don't even come to school or do this other bad stuff, you know, or you're not with the cool kids and like you know, it, I, I think a lot of tweendom is laying the groundwork for a lot of that stuff. And how do you not tell them, like, don't care what people think, it doesn't matter, but also just keep reinforcing for them to actually not care what people think. And right. I do think part of it is it's that family dynamic and that family table. Like my, I've, I've said this before, but my sister was really, really badly bullied as a younger kid than this. As like a fourth grader. And I was pretty badly bullied in like seventh grade. And I definitely remember I would go to school all day. And people were like, you're a loser. You're horrible. They would like throw stuff at me. It was like torture, basically. And I would come home at night and sit with my family. And they like loved me. And like, we would talk about news or whatever, like a totally different world. And even as a pretty young child, I remember having the idea that like, these people are right. And the people at school are wrong. Like there was something about that family dinner and that family oasis that wasn't about my mom sitting down and saying to me like the values that they hold are not important what we hold important but having that touchstone to come home to somehow made me see that the other world was crazy
1: yeah but you couldn't be yeah you had to come to that understanding and think that it was a um, (laughs) an original viewpoint you couldn't you couldn't have it told to you you could yeah, have and I think lived for you. there's
0: an expression in religious circles where someone, I can't remember who, who to credit it to, but the expression is like, preach the gospel, use words if you absolutely must. And like, that's the rule of the family. Like, teach your values and only use words if you absolutely must. Your values and like what you value, your kids are seeing it every day in your house. They're living it every day in your house. And that's the boat-building part of it, you know? And it's really not about, like, cornering your kid and watching Jesse with them and being like, oh, what do you think of this conflict that just happened? Not that that's a bad thing to do, but I just don't think that's where it lives. It lives at, like, the way you treat each other in your house and the values that you just kind of put into the fabric of your kids' lives. It's the undivided attention thing that
1: that's just kind of there. Like you said, the family dinner is family dinner. Or we... Um, you know, we drive to flag football practice every Friday night and we don't have phones when we're in the car because it's only a short time and you sit up front with me and we just talk. It's
0: it's not like, and now will be the special moment. It, it, right. And, it's the fabric moments and it's not undivided attention, meaning like you walk in the door and I grab you and I'm like, how was your day? Like that's horrifying to kids. They don't want any part of that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You have to, you have to sneak up on them a little bit, but but be there. Something else I read about kids at this age that I thought was... Obvious but interesting is anxiety can kind of spike for kids at this age because their
0: imaginary fears are replaced by real fears. I just want to say an aside that an alternate title for our podcast could have been "Obvious but Interesting." <laughs> um, okay, anxiety. why don't we call that this episode to be tweens? Obvious <laughs> but obvious interesting. But interesting. I just. I just. It occurs to me that that's 90% of what we do. <laughs> this is obviously obvious, but interesting.
1: But isn't that interesting? Like, oh, right. Like, six, seven, yeah. eight-year-olds, or maybe not eight-year-olds, but certainly six-year-olds are still worried about, like, my daughter was definitely worried about Edward Scissorhands might come into our, you know, apartment, right. then, or like a ghost or a bad guy, um, and then once you're 10, 11, 12 you're starting to understand the world. It's it's an anxiety-filled moment we're living in and they you know, they just sort of and then of course it's like I might get beaten up at school. They these sort of um hypothetical fears are replaced by actual ones for sure. And at this and at the same time, we haven't even talked about this, but um the because we've talked about like the hypersexualization of girls, but then for boys, there's this thing of like, okay, there's there's things they're getting really worried about, and stuff gets tougher at the same time. They've reached this age, like now, you may never cry again, right? Now to show Ugh. emotion would be to be cast aside forever. Right. Um, they 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 go they go internal um, more and more at this moment where they kind of need a little bit of guidance.
0: Yeah, it, I think for everybody, it's that tough thing of like. There, there There's so much of childhood left within them, and yet the world is starting to push them into this very, very adult these very adult scenarios where they don't some of the childhood um like crutches are no longer available to them, like bursting into tears yeah yeah, yeah that there
1: would and and it's not imaginary there are social costs to crying at school and oh' fifth it's grade. not imaginary
0: right it's not imaginary, yeah, I mean, I just think at what the theme of these years is like just starting to let go of the reins. You're not quite handing the reins over yet, but like practicing that letting go, but then always letting your kid know. It's like you're the driver's ed teacher who has the extra wheel and brake. Like you're going to start taking this over, but I'm here with the wheel and brake too to help out. Right. And it's ab- it's not
1: about you, kid, wanting it or not wanting it. This is just how it goes. So you don't have this to is- have a...
0: Episode of a thousand metaphors for me. <laughs> Enjoy it. I, I've got a ton more where those came from, people. Uh, all obvious, but interesting. But, obvious, yet interesting.
1: But yeah, it's, it's, it's like, no, you're not ready to be on your own yet. So this is how it is. And there's guidance. And they can act like they don't want it, but it doesn't mean they don't want it. And it doesn't mean they don't want you, but they're
0: they're toying with the, with the distance. And, and take yourself out of it, for God's sake. Take God yourself sakes. out of it. No one's thinking about you. Relax. Like, you did your job. Like... Back off a little bit. Get a little touch of our Irish grandmothers about you and just be like, all right, they're nine. I did my part. Tweet, 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 tweet. Off you go, kids. But Into no know, salt mines, no belly shirts until you're I don't know oh, what. Keep them young, please. No belly shirts. Don't even every time you have the choice. Should I do this? And one side of the choice is aging your kids and the other side is keeping them young. I vote keep them young. Me too. That's, they don't that's need the, any of the that rare. Stuff. It's all coming. It's a long life of wearing lip gloss. They don't need to start at nine. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I guess we uh, I guess we I agree it's on easier that. Easier said than done. Listen, my oldest is nine. I'll get back to you in three years when I'm <laughs> in hell. Wait until he tweens you.
1: It's gonna happen. It's gonna be like shunk.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But it's okay because
1: we've solved it. We've figured we, out Kai's- this twins. is tweens. You're you're ready now. You've, you're armed with a sea of metaphors. Do you have a tween in your house? We want to know about the tweens at your
0: house and new and unexpected ways that they are they are working your last nerve. Come find us on Facebook and tell us all about it. We are at facebook.com forward slash Hellcast. And I will say, whether or not you like our advice, our listeners are always having really, really interesting conversations about the topics there. It's a great co- place to come uh, for resources from our listeners who are smart and cool.
1: You can also go to our website,
0: whatfreshhealthpodcast.com. I'm going
1: to put up links to all the um, studies and research that we talked about on today's episode. And you can also find us on Twitter at WFE. H podcast where we also put links to interesting articles and studies that, that come up I love it
0: but I think you forgot about what about beloved Instagram Instagram you can also Instagram also us at what fresh hellcast
1: though. at what fresh hellcast oh and you know we should we should give a mention that we are so honored and excited to have been nominated for three iris awards. The Iris, awards, Iris are, awards, they're part of the Mom 2.0 Summit, which is a uh, conference that's held every year for people who work in the parenting space and the brands that want to connect with them. And they have these awards that recognize the best work in the parenting space each year. And the uh, nominations are open to everybody. And we have f- three nominations uh, for Best podcast for most entertaining content and for breakout of the year, which is, I got to say, the one I'm most excited about because that was totally unexpected and I'm... I'm thrilled by this. And so now it's up to the people who are at the conference to vote. Um, So it's not open to the public. But we are so excited to have these nominations. And it's really because of you guys listening and telling your friends and helping us grow. So thank you. And it's an honor
0: just to be nominated. That's right. JK, we want to win. (laughs) Uh, Guys, thanks for listening. That's all we know about tweens. And we will see you next week. Bye now.
2: I know that raising a Differently Wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Well, hey there, Busy Mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life?